0: Hello and welcome to Read It For The Pictures, a comic book podcast where we read it for the pictures. I'm Dave Clark, and with me is someone who definitely isn't just me doing a funny voice, Neil Caput. How you doing, Neil? Good. This week we... <clears throat>
1: we have two superhero books this week. Bloodstrike Remastered, a 25-year-old Rob Liefeld comic restored by Dan Fraga. Danny Mickey, Thomas Mason, and Eric Stevenson. The other one is Blue Beetle 19, written by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMattis, illustrated by Scott Collins as artist with Romulo Fajardo Jr. as colorist. Um, it was
0: issue 11, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, issue 11. It says so on the extra variant cover by Tyler Kirkham with the Beetle having that huge gunblade arm.
0: Yeah, that cover's cool. But yes. Bloodshot is the reason people are here this week. Bloodstrike.
1: Bloodshot oh. is a different property that belongs to Valiant. It's all from the 90s where if you had to add either... Some word involving blood or violence and then another word involving either modifying that or giving more violence. I was
0: certain I was gonna screw up the name and right out the bat there it is. The well, yes Blood Strike.
1: So the premise of this seems to be that these are all superheroes in the nominal sense of the term. They're just superhumans who are doing assassination missions against guys who I guess deserve it. And the main character, Captain Cabot, also goes by Bloodstrike as his name. We should talk about, like, his design, because he's the quintessential Liefeld character.
0: A little bit of background. This is a reprint of a comic that came out. Do we know what year it came out? Would have been, like, 93?
1: 25 years ago, so it would have been 92, when Liefeld had just broken away from Marvel to do Image and was doing a bunch of different projects that he didn't really stick to.
0: And I can only assume the reason it's getting a re-release now is because we'll see it in cinemas in a few months.
1: Someone optioned a Liefeld property. I mean, I know he's still getting work, but I can't really believe that, well, Stranger Things have happened.
0: From the creator of Deadpool? That doesn't sound good in a movie trailer to you?
1: I guess it does, but even though all the things people actually like about Deadpool came well after Liefeld, he just introduced him as a character who was basically a red and black Deathstroke.
0: Yeah, but in all seriousness, I have no idea why this is being remastered now. It's...
1: Interesting. Bloodstrike is the quintessential Liefeld character, but it's also the quintessential Liefeld comic where it's just a bunch of big guys with a lot of belts and pockets and guns and Blades fighting and there's a lot of violence but it's PG-13 Hunger Games violence so there's only slight bits of blood and no gore decapitations which in the age of Jeff John's DC comics where you get limbs ripped off all the time it actually seems kind of Point and soft. You say Hunger
0: Games violent, but I don't know. Like the Hunger Games had mo- like had moments where it made you consider that they were like teenagers murdering each other. Well, but- what I
1: mean is it's kind of plastic violence. So like the movies had all the books, horrors, all the kids killing each other, mass graves, serious injuries, but you didn't really see blood spurting out. It's yeah. similar to how they used to dub over japanese shonen anime so like you couldn't see blood flowing out even though there was still all the killing and violence
0: yeah, I was going to say a more apt comparison is it's kind of like the violence in Super Smash Brothers right down to the characters being a bunch of palette swaps of other popular pop- properties.
1: Right, since this is a Liefeld original comic, the characters really aren't original. Like, there's that guy, Deadlock, who is basically just a red and white wolverine who has uses his fingers instead of the claws, and I guess Bloodstrike himself is basically Cable except instead of a metal arm, he has an arm which is covered in belts for some reason it's to keep stuff in right no they're just belts wrapped around his left arm it, it's there aren't even any pockets there he just put a bunch of belts there i don't know what he's trying to do i guess it's some kind of kink he has about belts seriously he looks like a final fantasy character except burly instead of a feet, but he's still got all the belts
0: yeah it's this one.
1: And there's also a character on Bloodstrike's team called Foreplay Hell because yeah. she's a woman with four muscular arms. Come on, that's funny. I suppose. Is
0: what, Ed- I- it's not made a joke of once. It's just, it's kept completely straight. They just occasionally yeah. say, hey, foreplay, what are you doing? Or
1: It's supposed to be awesome. I don't think it's supposed to be taken as serious art. Liefeld isn't doing, like, the cargo cult version of Watchmen that a lot of 90s superhero creators tried. It's clear that these guys are just being cool and violent and killing guys who, I guess, deserve it. Like, they just ripped their way through all the enemy goons at the base. They're, like, not thinking, Oh, this guy had a family. This guy had just a few more payments on his car. This guy was supporting his mother with his henchman's salary as she went through chemo. Oh. You say
0: that, but the villain's big scheme is to get a job promotion. Yeah,
1: and, of course, we can't forget the villain colonel corbin who's basically luther. a pear-shaped man in a purple jumpsuit with like okay, he's got i guess he's got a couple of submachine guns and a jet pack he's surprisingly strong and athletic for being such a big guy
0: yeah he's fat luther
1: yeah oh yeah like luther when john bernie made him was turned into a fat guy so, and but without being, like, immobile fat. So I guess he's fat and fit. And, of course, there's the scene where they kill him because the Bloodstrike member, Tag, freezes him in a standing position. Then Shogun, the big armored Iron Man guy, shoots him with Gatling guns. And then you can just see him frozen in place, leaking blood out, kind of like a waterbed of viscera.
0: See, I think that's one of the the better parts of the comic. Oh, yeah, it is.
1: I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. It's got the kind of Batman versus Superman appeal where it's oh, engaging that, and just no, how dumb it is. Well,
0: maybe aspects of it, but this seemed sort of radically opposed. Well, okay. The Batman vs. Superman comparison is odd, but I'll come back to that.
1: Or, before they shoot up Corbin, you hear Bloodstrike going, "Manda Corbin here seems to be a tad uncomfortable with his present situation, Shogun. In fact, he seems downright miserable. Why don't you put the man out of his misery? And then he's shot to all hell.
0: Yeah, there's... At no point is the scenery not being chewed in this. But the actual panel where he's being shot, they are like they use a different like a scratchy border and they make the figure goes almost entirely all
1: black. It's weird like the figure himself is a silhouette, but all his accessories, like the random metal bands and the belts and the pockets and are still rendered
0: maybe like some more like shadow could have been dropped over the belt, but mostly I think that's an effective image we might,
1: we'll be coming back to that when we talk about this other comic and its approach to coloring and spot blacks. This one, you still, it's computer coloring in the remaster, but there's also a lot of just dark shadows that I don't know how well they work. But then this comic benefits from the soft bigotry of low expectations. Also, I should say that It's a lot more entertaining if you read Bloodstrikes' dialogue in the voice of Kevin Spacey doing Frank Underwood.
0: (laughs) Shogun turns off the heat, and it's so quiet you can hear the blood dripping while it empties out of Corbin's body.
1: (laughs) It, yeah it, that isn't I about talking right. to the camera or the reader i guess
0: returning to the batman versus superman comparison one of the things i noticed early on was like it starts with just the heroes sitting around and doing stuff but then it cuts to the guards who are wearing these like bright purple bodysuits. and yeah. when it got to that point i realized hang on if this was like say a middle of the line marvel book they would be wearing like either black suits or something very close to black because it would be a serious, like, bad guy guard. No, these guys are wearing bright purple. And then I realized, no, everything in this book is super saturated.
1: Well, the whole point of this book is the appeal of mashing all your action figures together as a kid. I mean, you're right that they'd play this dead serious if this were a Marvel book. I'm just thinking back to when we read Defenders and, like, the kind of hard-boiled pseudo-realistic dialogue and all the realistic rendering of the characters with the obvious casting, but this doesn't have any of that. Yeah, this is a... a-
0: capital S super capital H hero um, there's actually quite a few pages where they just have two panels I guess could give you a really good shot of like the superhero in action pose right
1: there's one that's slashed diagonally down the middle the top half is Shogun shooting all his guns and the bottom half is the goons getting shot up and you with like these little catch up splatters to show they're dying For a comic called Bloodstrike, it never actually gets bloodier than
0: that. Yeah, like I mean, I imagine, I'm not um, super up on it, but what I've read of modern Batman comics is they're like, at least half trying to be crime comics as well, and serious and moody lighting, and all that good stuff, but no, this is just straight up action figure superheroes shooting each other, and part of me thinks it has to be somewhat knowing. It's
1: knowing. I don't know about the original, but I think the overall quality of the art is on par with any standard Marvel and DC book. I guess in the remaster, they corrected a lot of Liefeld's faults, like not even bothering with backgrounds, having anatomy that just doesn't work. Uh, you don't really see any of the man boobs, Captain America style Liefeld stuff in here.
0: Yeah, I like if you wanted to, you could go through and like point out a bunch of weird anatomy in places. But for the most part, it's just... I'm just looking at um, Cabot's gigantic leg on these pages.
1: Yeah, he's got huge thighs. The typical Liefeld character has, like, giant muscular thighs, but tiny little feet. They're like dain- the dainty little hooves of a satyr.
0: And how big this robot dude is supposed to be, that seems to vary a bit.
1: It's not clear from this exactly what he looks like underneath that armor, I know that they're saying, like, there is a man in there. I don't know if he's just a really huge man or a smaller man in, like, a cockpit pushing buttons to move the arms and legs and guns.
0: Oh, also, when
1: I... Come onto
0: my theory that, oh, like, this is just everything is as bright as can be, and there's very little situational lighting. Like, immediately at the end, you've got Cavett sitting in a chair, and there's this, like, faint green glow over everything. I don't know. I suppose maybe cutting away from hyper saturated to something a little more muted, supposed to show the transition from, like, a chaotic action scene to something more quiet. Well, the whole
1: thing is a chaotic action scene.
0: Except except at the
1: end, when they try to give some pretense of characterization and plot
0: yeah so i haven't read that many of the 90s comics but i'm starting to get a sense of like why this sort of style took off like obviously this was after uh, dark knight returns and watchmen and everyone trying to be very dark and serious but
1: that never stopped
0: well yes of course but this is just bright and superhero-y. It
1: reads like a early 90s comic with, like, a mid-90s coloring when they made everything super shiny because they just got computer coloring for the first time. And I read a lot of 90s comics because the X-Men were my first fandom, and I think this would work as kind of an indistinguishable generic 90s comic. But reading it now in the 10s... It's kind of like a quaint piece of historical fiction. I mean, it bothered me in the 90s, even though that I was a kid then. I still went back and read all the 80s Chris Claremont X-Men comics, and... The transition from that kind of complicated, soul-searching storytelling to just action and posturing and, like, these incredibly fetishized, militaristic outfits, I didn't like it back then. Now, with the benefit of hindsight... It's kind of nostalgic.
0: Yes. I was going through this. I'm thinking maybe we should go back and do a bunch of the early image books. I would like
1: to do the old Wildcats because that would basically be this style except done with a lot higher quality. I, I mean, I know what I'm looking at at every point. The only time I was kind of disoriented was that when they had that splash page of Shogun against the Colonel and his goons that where you have to turn it vertically. I. But I'm reading that as a physical comic. I don't know how it works on comicsology.
0: Oh, is that the one with the diagonal cut? No,
1: it's right before that, where Shogun's bringing out all his guns and...
0: Oh, is that a double-page splash rotated in the physical one?
1: Yes. So he's called Shogun because I guess he's supposed to look like something out of one of those Japanese animes, and he's got all the guns. I don't know if he's actually a reference to the Shogunate of Japan. Somehow I doubt that.
0: Well, Leifeld had cable. At least they don't
1: have... Try to go back and give, like, these serious justifications for the names. I mean, if it was a Jeff Johns comic, he'd be named Bloodstrike because they show him as a child when he got into his first fight and he punched a kid and there was blood, but he realized that was justice against the bullies. So from then on, he was called Bloodstrike. When I was
0: um, super deep into superhero comics, I remember... People saying, oh, Jeff Johns is all about getting back to the Silver Age and back when, like, comics were pure, so to speak. But He may have
1: started that way, but his writing doesn't show it. That was more like the super self-conscious version of this, where, yeah, they still had all the violence and grimness, but they had to justify it. Here, there's no justification. There's yeah. just...
0: What would Super- people like to see? They'd like to see superheroes beating up bad guys.
1: This is definitely what a preteen boy would like. I think it holds up pretty well as that. There's the larger conversation of whether or not this kind of just pure adolescent power fantasy even works in an age of video games.
0: Yeah, perhaps. But yeah, I was feeling more positive about Blood Strike than I thought I would be. Me too.
1: I'm not- Maybe it's because the remastering me- makes it actually readable instead of as amateurishly distorted as Liefeld's art was.
0: Yeah, I was trying to hunt down the original
1: and I couldn't quite find it. I'm sure you could find bits and pieces of it in all the worst Liefeld panels ever articles you see. Because Liefeld started out pretty competent as, since he was started in the 80s, as kind of an Arthur Adams imitator... And eventually his style got big, and he stopped having to improve himself. Kind of the comics equivalent of a coked-up child star who doesn't have to mature anymore. I mean, that's the dream, right? Yeah, where you get... Oh, God. So, Liefeld is basically the comics equivalent of BoJack Horseman. Uh,
0: Yeah. Well, did you see that video of him inking while driving?
1: No, I I didn't. I should. But he's definitely had a big and exciting career. Like, he did the Spike Lee-directed Levi's commercial. He teamed up with Alan Moore in the single greatest mismatch of talent in comics history. Even in the back of the book, you can see, like, when they brought Obama into the book, when I guess there was a short-lived fad about putting... Obama on comic covers back when he first got elected.
0: We got to move that product somehow, but um, just in case we haven't talked about the art enough in this issue, um, there does seem to be a very conscious effort to draw like each of the muscles. Like, there's this um one shot of the not Wolverine character swinging his not claws, and it's very like they've made effort to put all the muscles on the arms, but I'm not sure like proportion seems to fly wildly around as you go through
1: well that's what you get with not wolverine he's a short guy who's salt built like a tank and it's similar to like the classic superhero and that there's no clothing there it's heights without even any slight mass or folding but it's also a lot more detailed than something you'd see in a jack kirby comic so like there's you're right there's the effort to make every little muscle sing so i guess he kind of looks flayed like you ripped off his skin and replaced it with a fine atomic weight sheet that shows all the muscles
0: Yeah, there's also like that does kind of get a little bit awkward when you get to this um uh, shot with Foreplay, the forearm oh. lady. And, like, there's a ton of, like, they've drawn in all the sh- muscles on her top pair of arms. But they I don't think they've quite gone to the effort to think about how muscles would work with someone with forearms.
1: No, they don't really need to. I don't think anyone's reading this as a serious a- anatomical study. Uh, true. yes.
0: That was Bloodstrike Remastered. It impressed us more than we expected it to, but ultimately I think it is just a comic for for teenager boys.
1: And it's a lot better if you read it House of Cards style.
0: Yes, it is very
1: overwritten. Silence like that always reminds me of one of this job's prime benefits. You kill the guy, you don't have to listen to him whine about how perfect his plan was. Well, you're hauling in a maw. So there he stands, looking cold and lifeless, with all his eyes open. All in all, it's a pretty pathetic sight. But that's what you get when you want to jerk around with Bloodstrike. Ugh. maybe I will buy more issues. When there's the return of Bloodstrike, I guess we'll follow it. Hopefully the the remastering team, Fraga and Mickey and Stevenson and all, keep it at a readable level of quality. Yeah,
0: I guess. On to our next book, which, unlike what we promised last week, was grant morrison's 18 days number 25 yet again what i picked was delayed so we're talking about blue beetle number 11 well
1: you really like the Jaime Reyes blue beetle as far as superheroes go don't you
0: yes um i didn't uh grow up with comics so like i started reading them uh, in university and uh blue beetle was one of the ones i got started with it um yeah it was I think, the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle, his first solo series.
1: I remember that. That was really good. It seems like Jaime's always had kind of a problem sticking in terms of actual comics. I mean, obviously, he's an ethnically diverse version of the Blue Beetle. He's Hispanic from El Paso, Texas, and he's his get stick is that he's got the scarab on his back that gives him the armor but the scarab's part of an alien regime trying to take over earth by giving it a champion who eventually takes over but so there's a lot of interesting stuff there and it's really played well in other media blue beetle appeared a lot in batman brave and the bold he appeared in young justice he's even in injustice too but his comics somehow just don't stick
0: yeah it's um i'm always surprised that like blue beetle doesn't get like a huge push or maybe he did like
1: well he's got the material to be an a-list character even though he's relatively new the concept just works like he's got this teenage peter parker appeal he he's got a unique and multicultural background like his family is a big part of the book he's got cool friends in his supporting cast and He's got a really great design, but the original design for the armor, I think it was Coley Hammer, and I love armor, as you know.
0: Most exactly your thing.
1: Yeah, and on my list of powered armor character designs, Blue Beetle's pretty up high near the top. I suppose at some point I'm going to have to give you, like, a list of every powered armor character and how I rank them, Yeah. but I really enjoyed this comic. Ironically, the armor design here, the way Scott Collins draws it, is my least favorite thing about the comic. It just looks kind of awkward, his face while wearing the mask. You see the eyes, and I guess something that's supposed to be a mouth, but it doesn't quite convey anything
0: reading this issue i'm not sure about physically but in the digital version they have the regular cover and they also have this variant by tyler kirkham
1: yeah which is a lot more of the 90s image style but it works where he's scowling and he's got one of his arms morphed into a giant gun blade thing
0: yeah there's like on the variant there seems to be like a ton of effort into making it look like a machine and it's just there's a f- like a few bits on the body and the face that are like uh soft so to speak rather than hard like the machinery
1: well that's what's great about blue beetle's armor design he's he, it looks smooth and streamlined and exoskeletal like a beetle but it also has the morphing ability so he can pull out like big arm cannons or blades or wings there's so much you can do with this and it's another reason like why hasn't he taken off why don't we have a lot more blue beetle toys why don't we have more blue beetle toys damn it
0: yeah one of the things that got me about how blue beetle was drawn in this book is there's less of attention paid to making the suit seem mechanical it seems to mostly be a like a backpack over a black like, bodysuit.
1: Well, the scarabs fuse to Jaime's spine, and it kind of leaks over him in a liquid metal way, so it's not an armor you can just take off, per se. Like, the inside of it
0: almost suggests that it, like, it is easy to take off. I don't know, like, previous versions of, like, issues of Blue Beetle I've read make it seem much more mechanical and much less just like a like a body sock.
1: Well, to be fair, we don't see a lot of Blue Beetle in armor in this particular Blue Beetle comic. There's like the section for the first few pages where he's... It's after some battle, and he's all sad because he had the chance to be free of the scarab, and he couldn't take it because he had to use it to save people. And the rest is... Jaime's life back in El Paso with his family and his school. And I really like Scott Collins' art here. I think he does a great job selling the characters as actors, giving a sense of place, and also not covering everything with spot blacks so the digital colorist has room to work. That's one thing he does deliberately that. I wish a lot more Marvel and DC artists will do, because if we're going to have really complex colouring with saturations and hues pulled up to the max, we don't just want big blobs of black shadow. It doesn't really work well.
0: Yeah, speaking of uh, colouring, there's this weird sunshine glowing effect over Dr. Fate, who's showing up here for some reason. Like, at the beginning, there's a weird electrical effect being put over Blue Beetle?
1: Well, the Blue Electrical effect is one, just one of his things, since he's, not only is he a Blue Beetle, but he has, like, blue energy when he uses his abilities.
0: Yeah, there's a weird, like, fiery, Kirby Crackle thing on OMAC, who's hanging out in the background.
1: Ah, they're getting all the cool, obscure characters here.
0: Yeah, um, could you elaborate more on your point about, uh, sense of place? Because I think that may be an area where we disagree. Well,
1: after the initial scene with the characters in costume there's the big establishing shot of cord industries where you see like the huge tower that the former blue beetle ted cord lives in and then you see one inside there's details in his office as he's looking out the window you see the Vertubian man leo DiNardo poster on his wall you see the details of his desk and all his notes, the view from him looking out, and then when you go back to... It, back De to: Leonardo? Elf, Yeah, it's like the page after the big establishing splash. There's, do, you mean,
0: do you mean Leonardo da Vinci?
1: Yeah, not Leonardo the Ninja Turtle. I wish I didn't have to keep specifying that. But you can see details on the school and the various students. There is effort to give them individual clothes and styling. I don't know how contemporary it is. I don't know what the kids are wearing these days, but it's sold well enough to that it reads like this is a busy high school environment. It's got a good sense of place. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll agree with that. There's a lot of specifics given to each the characters. Also... The, his female friend who's got the skeleton t-shirt, that's an odd choice, but I think it works. Well, she's
1: also got, like, an apparent acne. I don't know if that's supposed to be freckles or acne, but it, de- it differentiates her as a character. You see, oh, yeah, I see it now. his friend Paco and his girlfriend, I guess. It's definitely really strong at, like, using a lot of line detail to just cram everything in there with things while allowing the digital colorist to worry about the shadows and the values
0: i can agree with that but um, i actually had a somewhat of a nitpick concerning our sense of place uh, going through the book there are very few panels that seem to have the same place in the background just trying hmm. to find a good example here i remember getting of the school scene this
1: they showed different backgrounds i guess they're showing the whole environment from different angles I don't think it ever disoriented me and made me think that they were just shifting from scene to scene. And If anything, I thought it enhanced the book by giving the backgrounds more diversity, kind of a panoramic view through all the images.
0: I'm not, I'm not saying it reads like cutting from different location to different location there just seems to be very very few elements that are similar between like background shots
1: well there are different elements but you still see like the frames of windows and the elements of the school environment the oh, yeah, when chalkboard with the Civil War information, the air conditioner, it does definitely feel like a school and since I used to be a teacher, I can relate to this environment except for the fact that it's not filled with constant pain and sorrow.
0: Yeah, here's a good example. Um, on Comicsology page 15, this first panel shows them walking down a, what I thought initially was like a pathway up to a school, but I've now worked out it's a sidewalk and there's a construction like like there's a fence and a construction building behind them
1: the oh, they're just th- passing through right they're walking down to the school they pass their friends arguing about whether or not there's more to life than video games Which, spoiler uh, alert there isn't
0: there, of course there is there's also podcasts but yes so but what I was we saying if develop here,
1: a podcast about video games we'll never need to do anything else in life to feel fulfilled
0: yep so stay tuned guys yeah like panel one shows in the background there's like a a building under construction and like a chain link fence the next panel shows a house it looks like a house and then a house behind it like a suburban setting the panel after that shows like sort of a built up like built up like i don't want to say high rise but it's like a big sort of like, office building, I guess you'd say. And then the panel after that, the background is back to being, like, it's someone's lawn. But, and behind the lawn, there seems to be a whole bunch of cars parked up.
1: For a busy, busy middle-class suburban area with some construction going on, I think it sells that pretty well. The fact that we're even talking about just backgrounds here gives it a huge edge against a lot of comics. Backgrounds are something that a lot of us, myself included, struggle with.
0: Yeah. Well, like, this isn't, like, anywhere near the completely bare open areas that we had in Bloodstrike, but I don't... think it like I think it's more of a suggestion of a setting like here are two characters arguing the setting is exterior suburb you get the story but I think there could maybe be some wider shots to set up the
1: environment there could be this is still being done on a deadline you can't go all Jeff Darrow and give a million little background details oh and
0: something else that sort of pushes against the idea of doing a bunch of establishing shots is that this book is full of words
1: yes it's a typical superhero comic so of course they don't write economically
0: yeah it's um you kind of get away with having less of a focus on background because the word balloons become like a physical like a design element you need to
1: plan around right that's are we going to include lettering in this read for the pictures podcast at any point because not just words but word placement does contribute a lot to how it reads and since this is going off of a script with a lot of words wondering how well the placement works
0: yeah i don't think we need to get too pedantic about where the line between story and art is exactly but yes there is like the words on like the word balloons on the page are like a graphical element that is part of the bigger like composition of each of these images and it does direct how like your eye moves through them and gets the story i didn't have many problems with like like getting confused about which balloon to read when but there are a lot of Like, two characters will be next to each other, and, like, a huge string of bouncing back and forth balloons will be coming out of them. At some
1: points it works... And others, like, at the end of the first scene, with Jaime walking away from the other superheroes going to sulk in his tent, Achilles-style, you see a lot of word balloons about the characters in the background just chattering. So I couldn't see all the things that Ted Cord and Omac and Jesse Quick were saying, because they're just kind of <laughs> spread out all over away from the main action. Oh uh, yeah,
0: OMAC has his own custom uh, word balloon, Brother Eye's got a custom word balloon, Dr. Fate's got a custom word balloon.
1: Right, we're in 90s Marvel style lettering territory where everyone gets their own font and balloon style. Not
0: everyone, but there's a fair few. Also, the Well, flight. all the
1: supers do, it seems. Once we get to the civilian scenes, they all have the same font and the same balloon style.
0: But yeah, returning back to my point, this um, big, just like destroyed part of town where they had their big fight, there doesn't, yeah, it that doesn't seem to. You can't really build up a sense of what that area really looks like. It, yeah, it's it's just like there's destroyed rubble in the background of each shot. But
1: you can yeah. say that on. On page five, what you're talking about, you can see that it doesn't really have this a sense of place. It doesn't quite sell as a panorama of a destroyed city.
0: Yeah, and perhaps the reason I'm harping on this is, you know, one of my project got really pedantic about things and I made 3D models of the locations where my comic was set. And, like, I, at some point in my madness, I was looking up furniture wholesalers to get dimensions of, like, A standard cafe table and chair
1: i remember when i would you were right showing me it in your storyboards and you put a lot of detail just in the scenery and creating a believable environment
0: yeah and like obviously i'm an insane person so like not everyone needs to go to that crazy lengths but i think a little bit of like the sense of place is lost in this
1: well there are a lot of close-ups there are the establishing shots are fewer yeah. but it's also not a story about the town it's a story about the characters and there so much of it is dialogue scenes like paimi with his friends with the i'm not sure if he's hallucinating about a character named ghostfire who's attacking him or if he's flashing back to that or if he's just imagining it but
0: that was kind of a neat trick they've got like a bunch of like a few pages end with these ghostfire premonition scenes I guess you'd call them and then it cuts to yeah ghost fire flying around and you think it's all in Jamie's head still and then it cuts to Hi me. oh sorry hi. me hi me I get yeah I was thinking maybe that's one of the reasons Blue Beetle's not as popular is because people mispronounce his name. But no, that's crazy. But yeah, cutting from well, hallucinations... it's not
1: pre- a name you'd find on a normal white person. That might be a sticking point for management.
0: But yeah. I, don't know, I thought the trick of cutting from like the hallucination scenes with Ghostfire to a panel of mate in his classroom and Ghostfire's in the background, that's one of the cooler tricks.
1: Oh, and we can't forget... At the, the splash page at the end, setting up next issue, and since Jaime is perceived as a danger to the city with the scare of Batman's going to step in.
0: Yes, and on the topic of Batman, on the comiXology version of this, you, the first page is the cover, and then the second page is an ad for this metal thing. And yeah, when I said that the digital versions of these comics are free from ads, I was wrong. This is... They have
1: ads for their own stuff, and they want you to buy the metal crossover.
0: Yeah, you can put the ads in the back, guys. But anyway, we've run a little bit long on this episode.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there was a lot to talk about. It was the peak of 90s comics insanity, and we had a pretty good example of a modern comic.
0: Ultimately, I would say Blue Beetle is the more accomplished comic. Like, it's got more, like... It has a story, and it's doing a bunch of interesting things with, like, colouring effect. Like, yeah, it's clearly, like, setting up larger arcs, and it's got jokes. But I think it falls down somewhat because it's, like, it's suggestions of, of space sort of kind of leave you wanting to have more of a sense of, like, the area the stuff's going on in. And also it's about teen drama and not people punching each other. But maybe that's just my preferences.
1: Well, the typical superhero formula as of the 70s and 80s mixes a lot of soap opera and angst with punching. The Liefeld approach that we saw is to just have the punching and shooting.
0: Yeah. Oh, and Dr. Fate waving his arms around doesn't count as an action scene.
1: Well, Dr. Fate would disagree with that.
0: Whoever's putting the Bende dot pattern on the back of the pages, like where there would normally be white space, yeah, knock that off that's
1: that's, i didn't notice it until you told me and now it's irritating me
0: yes it's it makes the pages a lot more busy than they otherwise need to be but yes blue beetle is a more competent comic and instructive in like the few areas that it falls down and bloodstrike remastered is just straight up purified (laughs) id
1: that would describe liefeld the comics industry's raging id
0: yeah i don't know I might be uh, compelled to come back for more Blood Strike Insanity, but, yeah. I'm we're going
1: to have to do say a 90s special.
0: Yeah, but I'm not going to say it's better than Blue Beetle. No, we are not. Yeah. Um, so, yes, what are we doing next week?
1: We'll be doing Seven to Eternity, number 8, by Rick Remender and artist Jerome Openga. We'll also be doing Grumpy Cat and Garfield, number 1. Written Um, by Mark Evanier and illustrated by Steve Uy. I think Seven
0: to to Eternity is actually by the arts by James Harron.
1: The comic launched as a vehicle for Opeña as well as Remender since they did such great work together on X-Force. James Harron, you're right, that's unfortunate. but Hopefully he'll do a good job. I don't know anything about him ahead of time. In the meantime, I expect not to like grumpy cat garfield number one because it deals with the two iconic pop cultural cats that have ruined the reputation of cats
0: yes it was neil who um led us into the grumpy cat comic if you can believe that
1: no really
0: yes hopefully the book i pick won't be delayed next week
1: you never know
0: but anyway where can people find you online neil
1: i am at Wirecats.com W-Y-R-E-C-A-T-S It's got a lot of armor and you'll see why I'm so specific about how I rank every armor ever.
0: Yes, and you can find me at daveclarkart.com and that's Clark with an E. Anyway, that's been Read It for the Pictures and we'll catch you next week.
1: Bye!